Hello, and welcome back to Motherhood Interrupted. I'm your host, Kimberly Lovey. You guys, today I am sharing with you one of my best kept secrets, someone that I have used as part of what I call my dream team for all three of my pregnancies and births, and that is Valerie Rosas, who is a placenta encapsulation specialist. Now, you might think, what the heck is that? Why would you ever encapsulate your placenta? Okay, so here's the thing. The reason why people will encapsulate their placenta is to help with postpartum baby blues to help kind of stabilize their hormones. So I'm going to read you what she kind of sends you. The benefits of placenta encapsulation are predominantly hormone stabilization and it's a mood stabilizer. So as she states when you sign up with her, she says, right now your body is producing an abundant amount of hormones and the reason why is because your baby is the one communicating to the placenta. This is when you're pregnant. Here she is letting the placenta know the nutrients they need. So based on that information, the placenta produces the proper hormones so they can receive the nutrients that they need. So naturally, when baby and placenta are no longer there, that production of hormones is no longer there. For some moms, that can lead them into baby blues or postpartum depression. So by reintroducing your placenta back into your body and tapering down over a series of weeks, you're allowing your body to start the production of hormones while still supplementing with hormones. Along with that, it's rich in oxytocin, which is going to help you feel good, help with bonding with your baby, and also help your uterus contract out to pre-pregnancy size. You'll be replenishing nourishment that's lost during the birthing process, like your vitamin Bs and iron, which those two things are essential for energy. There's lactating hormones that will help stimulate your mammary glands to help establish a good milk supply, stress-reducing hormones, and natural opiates in the placenta that are pain relievers. So basically, the reason why I wanted to share this with you is because this is an industry that is very unregulated. Valerie is so professional. She's a certified placenta encapsulation specialist. She holds herself and her process and her business to the highest standards. And after me consuming my placenta, I felt like I have to share her with everybody else because I was the happiest postpartum person you've ever met for all three kids. I didn't have baby blues. Yes, I was exhausted, don't get me wrong, but truly, even to this day, I'm now 10 months postpartum and I take this, these like liquid drops, which we'll explain in the episode, and I drop them into my coffee and it has my placenta and alcohol and I drop it in my coffee and it gives me so much energy and oxytocin and it's just the best thing ever. And it's just a part of my postpartum game that has really, really helped me. So I wanted to share this with you guys so that one, if you ever were curious or even just grossed out about consuming your placenta, I wanted you to understand why on earth you would do it. I also wanted to share if you are going to do it or anyone you know is considering it, what to look for to make sure that you're doing this safely because obviously sanitation is a huge issue, making sure you're with somebody that is certified and also understanding the health aspects of like when you can and can't do it. So Valerie walks us through in great detail, step-by-step, every single piece of the business, the certification. So with that, I hope you enjoy this. I think it is super interesting. And with that, let's dive in. 
process. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I am super, super excited to have you here and welcome. I've been dying for you to come. How are you? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you so much for shedding light on this subject. I think it it needs the spotlight. More uh, women and mamas-to-be need to know about it. So thank you so much for having yeah. me and, and talking about the scent encapsulation. Yes, it is something that I've actually been super eager to share. And gosh, there's just so much meat here. It's so no pun intended, but there's so much to cover. And, you know, it's so funny because when I tell my friends that I have now encapsulated all three of my placentas for all three kids, people give me the side eye. And I think it's really unexpected because I'm kind of like, I'm not what I think most people would consider like granola. And I always say to people, I'm not super granola, but this is like the crunchiest thing I've ever done. And I stand by it firmly. So you're my best kept secret. And I was just telling our nanny too. And I tell my friends, I won't have a baby without Valerie. <laughs> and I remember you saying that like, like every time. Every time. No, it's not Every a joke. Time. I'm like, you're not like planning, you know, any kind of vacation, right? Because I really, you're part of the dream team. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to just let everyone know that, you know, I don't remember if I found you on Yelp, but now let's see Carter. I, I encapsulated or you encapsulated my placenta back with Carter, which he's now almost seven. So I must've known you for at least seven and a half years. And I will say that the reason why I personally even was compelled to consider encapsulation for the placenta is because I just kind of thought like, this is not based on my own research. It was more of a gut thing where I was like, okay, wait, so your placenta is an organ you grow during pregnancy. And then your body's completely depleted after giving birth. And then it had like the placenta holds all these incredible hormones and all these different nutrients. Like why wouldn't I want to preserve that and then replenish my body? I know also that a lot of people, you know, struggle with either baby blues or postpartum depression, lack of energy, obviously lack of sleep. And so I just sort of went on this journey and I met you, Valerie, and you blew my mind. You are so knowledgeable and professional. And so I think maybe where we can start is what goes into the certification of a placenta encapsulation person? Yeah. So there are three major certification companies out there and they all kind of do things a little bit differently. There's one that's kind of like work at your own pace and it's all like online modules another one is she used to i don't know if she currently does this anymore but she used to travel around the united states and do workshops so you would attend a weekend workshop and then there would also be like requirements that you would have to do then on your own and like submit essays and collect data and analyze it and submit it to her and then the third one is like work at your own pace and there's modules, but it's more detailed than the previous one, the first one that I talked about, where it was like work at your own pace through your own module. But with this last one that I'm talking about, you, you know, you have to like submit videos and you have to, it's really comprehensive. I mean, I would say anyone that any certification company that somebody is certified through of the three, there's three major ones. If you do your research, you'll 
you'll see which three they are. But yeah, you do want to have someone who's certified that who's encapsulating your placenta, no matter how much they charge, whether they charge $100 or whether they charge $1,000. That's really important. You don't want folks, you know, just going onto YouTube and watching people encapsulate placenta and then saying, oh, I'm a placenta encapsulator. Because all of the, the negative the negative content about encapsulation that you will find on the internet. I think that it is because people are not taking the time to become certified placenta encapsulators. And so there's a lot that you can do wrong if you don't know what you're doing. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm certified. I, I, my husband is certified through one organization. I'm certified through another organization. And then I had a cousin of mine who was working along with me and I had her certified through the third one because I wanted to know, like, is, are one of these companies sharing information that another one isn't like what really makes one better than the other? It, for me, it was more about the information. Like I wanted to make sure that I had all the information without having to get certified through all three of them. And pretty much the information is all the same. The only difference is going to be how it's delivered or how it's presented rather. And the activities or the assignments that you have to do. Got it. Oh, that's so mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. One of them doesn't teach the raw method of encapsulation. So I didn't go with that one. Back when I got certified almost 10 years ago, there was two. There was the one that only taught the steamed method of encapsulation. And then there was the lady that traveled around the United States doing workshops. I went with that one because she offered options. And that's what I'm all about. I want to offer options to everybody and let them choose what is going to be best for them. And of course, if people need guidance through that, you know, then, then I'm there to help them through that. But at the end of the day, you know, what works for one person may not work for another. So the options are always nice. Sanitation, I know, is always the big topic of how on earth is this safe? How is it sanitary? How do I know it's mine? How do we start that conversation and address those concerns? Yes, I think it is a concern that everyone has and a very legitimate concern. And because it's not a regulated industry, this is something that should be addressed when someone is interviewing encapsulators, is what is their sanitation practice and how do they keep placentas separate and how do they know that they're getting their own placenta back? So very important points. So as far as like sanitation is concerned, you know, you do want to have somebody who is certified as a placenta encapsulator, because that tells you a couple of things. Not only do they know how to work with the placenta, but they've also been trained in sanitation. And so for me, I have my own dedicated workspace. I, not, I haven't had my own dedicated workspace the whole entire time that I have been encapsulating. It's going to be about three years since I've had my own dedicated workspace. But prior to that, I did encapsulate in my own personal kitchen. Now, at that time, I had a very large kitchen that I could keep things separate from my work and my personal. But, you know, it was like the sink was like the separation point from one counter to another. But still, sanitation was always the same. 
So diluted one part bleach to 32 parts water. Everything is submerged, all the equipment is submerged in that solution and sits there for about 10 minutes. And then after that, it's all scrubbed down with antibacterial soap, rinsed, and then air dried. So that is very important. And not only that, but the equipment needs to be able to be taken apart completely. So like the food processor that the encapsulator is using needs to be taken apart completely. The, the blade from the base get into all the nooks in the crannies, right? So I do that sanitation practice twice before using it on any placenta. So it doesn't matter if a couple of days have gone by or if it's a back-to-back -back type deal, the, the sanitation process is the same. Now, I only have one workspace and one dehydrator, so I only work with one placenta at a time. So that's how I know whose placenta I'm working with. In the event that I have more than one placenta, then if it hasn't already come labeled to me, which it often does from the hospital, the hospital will label it with the person's information. If it's not labeled, that's the first thing that I do once I get to my workspace, if I have more than one. If I only have one, I know whose it is and it doesn't need to necessarily be labeled. And yeah, one dehydrator, one workstation. So one placenta at a time. So there isn't more than one placenta being worked with simultaneously. Now I do, as I mentioned, I do work back to back. So I could finish one and then start another one, you know, shortly thereafter. So that's the way that the sanitation works and keeping them separate. Okay. I have my, my own dedicated placenta refrigerator. So nothing is mixed with my personal stuff and my placenta work. Okay. And so when you say now you have your own separate workspace, like what does that look like? It's its own little room. It's like I have my own little placenta kitchen. It's so great. Oh, wow. This reminds awesome. me of like the kosher, like keeping something kosher. <laughs> yes. And placenta is kosher. I think I shared this with you possibly. Maybe, I don't know if it was you, maybe it was someone else. But someone shared with me an article of a rabbi talking about how placenta was kosher. I yeah, actually, that nice. wasn't me now that you just said that. For a second, I thought it was me, but I didn't see the article. That's interesting. Oh, it is. I need it's, to see. It's kosher? It's considered a kosher? That's what this one rabbi said. Wow. I mean, this was years ago. I, have, I should see if that's I can me. access that article again, because I can't. Well, you know something? That's actually really interesting. That is, let me tell you, for those of you listening that don't understand why I'm so surprised or not surprised by, but impressed by that, if that is what a rabbi said, they have very strict, like it's no joke being kosher and separating and all the rules and everything and the sanitation, which is, you know, it, the reason why, the reason why kosher even came to be actually started with sanitation and issues back in the day. So it's changed quite a bit, but anyway, so that, I guess what I'm saying is if he's saying that based on what he knows, this is actually considered like a kosher practice that actually sets a very high bar, very high. So it's impressive. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I have my own little dedicated room, four walls, a ceiling, just one door. Um, and it's just me in there. No one else is in there. I have special shoes that I only wear in that space. So wow. my regular shoes don't ever go into that space. That is amazing. Clean. I feel like we need some kind of video tour. 
I, I wanted to hit on that first because I know that's probably even when I'm telling other people, that's always the first thing they go to. And I think you said that it's the same thing for you. You get the question, you know, over and over again. And I was wondering what are the benefits? And I know you have this laundry list, but what do you say to people that are non-believers and what kind of support in favor of do you always share? I get this question and believe it or not, I don't encounter the non-believers, right? Because I only get contacted by people who want to do encapsulation. Okay, that's fair. So, but every now and again, right, I have a partner I have a partner who's like, oh my God, my, my crazy wife found this crazy lady to do this thing with her placenta. Like, why are you doing this? You know? And so those are the, and and occasionally I do have a mama, but she's willing to risk it because she's like, I've seen people go through postpartum and I don't want to go through that. So if this can help me, I I'm skeptical, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. Okay. That was me. When I, when I first met you, that actually was me. That was me. I was like, we'll see, but I want to check these people out. And then I met you and you educated me and I was like, I'm sold. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And you got amazing benefits, didn't you? Oh, hell yeah. Addicted. (laughs) So, so yeah. And so what, so, you know, one question that comes up is why do women want to do this? And the number one reason, although there's many reasons, but the number one is going to be to help prevent any baby blues or postpartum depression slash hormone balance, right? The placenta takes over hormone production when you become pregnant. And as soon as the placenta comes out, there's an abrupt stop in those hormones. And so by consuming the placenta, what we're trying to do is have a little bit of of control physiologically of the change happening in the body after birth. So to help bring up that hormone level to where it was being produced and then do a nice gentle taper for a nice smooth hormonal transition. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to do. But along with that, there's a constant flow of oxytocin Oxytocin is the love hormone. So this is going to help elevate mood. You know, it just, you know, lots of times you'll hear moms say like, oh, I was just like so in love. I had this one lady that I encapsulated for where it was her second baby, first time encapsulating. And she was like, I was in love with my first baby. But this time around, it's like on a whole nother level. That's the oxytocin. When I hear reports like that, that's oxytocin in play right there. And oxytocin not only helps with mood, but it helps with lactation. So once placenta detaches from the uterus, a hormone is activated, prolactant. This is a hormone that you need to lactate, that mammals need to lactate. So that's activated. But prolactin really needs the support of oxytocin to really do its job properly, let's say, or at its maximum ability. And so that's another reason why oxytocin is important postpartum. So it helps with milk production, energy, mood, energy, especially with the raw method of encapsulation. I'm sure you can attest to this. 
Oh yeah. Um, and the oxytocin pulse. Yes. And the energy can be so much from raw method. As a matter of fact, this morning I had a consultation with someone who had shared with me that she has a history of anxiety and not like a normal amount of anxiety, but she described her anxiety as chronic anxiety. She cannot drink coffee. She cannot drink green tea because this will bring on anxiety for her. So when I have moms share that type of information with me, I do not recommend the raw method of encapsulation because raw method of encapsulation, the energy boost that comes from that can be the same type of energy that you will get from drinking a cup of coffee or taking a shot of espresso. It can really get you going. Oh, and for it moms really who suffer can. from anxiety. Yes, <laughs> yes. That makes perfect sense to me that you would advise her not to do the raw method because I know that people, there are people listening that are very skeptical or they're just frankly disgusted by the whole thing, which I believe me, I understand those thoughts, but I will say that surge of energy goes a long way, especially when you are so exhausted. And even currently I'm doing the liquid, which we can talk about that. I'm doing the liquid and I feel the surges of energy and that's by design. I love the energy. And I also feel the oxytocin and the mad love, love that I'm, you know, feeling with my baby is through the roof. And this is probably the first time that I've consistently taken the liquid because I think I kind of just either forgot, frankly, before, cause I was back to work, but it's very clear that this thing is, has an impact. So going back though, to that woman and the different methodologies, can you explain the difference between the raw method and then the other methods that you can use? Yeah. So there's raw method of encapsulation and there's also the steamed method, um, also known as the TCM or the traditional Chinese medicine method. Um, so the difference as far as the preparation is concerned is that with the raw method, there is no cooking or steaming of the placenta before dehydration. Placenta is sliced raw and dehydrated at 165 degrees. Whereas with the steamed method, placenta is lightly steamed prior to dehydration, depending on the thickness of the placenta, anywhere be between 10 to 20 minutes. And then it's sliced and dehydrated at 165 degrees as well. 165 degrees is a very intentional temperature. Bacteria can no longer survive at this temperature. The next question that I get when I'm talking about the two methods of encapsulation is, is raw method safe? And the answer is yes, because of the dehydration temperature. So 165 degrees, very intentional temperature. Bacteria can no longer survive at this temperature. So raw method is safe to do. There can be some reasons where we may have to switch to the steam method, even though someone has chosen raw method ahead of time. But as long as everything has gone quote unquote normal throughout the labor and delivery, uh, baby hasn't passed meconium. There's certain medications that can be given during labor and delivery that would cause us to switch to the STEAM method. But medications like inducing medications like Pitocin, epidural, which is pain relieving, even medications that they give for mamas that are having a C-section, those meds are okay. Placenta cycles them out very quickly because they're only administered maybe 
once, maybe twice throughout the labor or for C-section. So the placenta doesn't really have time to hold on to them. Oh, yeah. And I had all the drugs. So yeah, for anyone concerned about that in particular, I can attest that it's perfectly fine since I had Pitocin and epidurals for all three of my kids and Cervidil. I was induced for two of the three and I was able to do the raw, the raw method. So do most, I guess, which method do people tend to do or do you think is the best and why? Assume, assuming there's not a reason to have to switch. Yeah, so the m- most popular method is the raw method. And the reason for that is because most birthing people want to have more energy postpartum. Most. Okay. Not all. So it's more potent the to do the raw method. It's the method that I, mm-hmm, yeah, because the energy is the one benefit that's really going to distinguish the two methods from each other. I haven't seen a big difference with mood stabilization or helping milk come in a little bit quicker. I haven't seen one big difference from one method to the other, but the energy is definitely the one that um, sets them apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then I did something that I think a lot of people are like grossed out by, but I felt like let's do this thing. And I wanted the maximum benefit. So I did the smoothie in addition to the placenta encapsulation, which is by the way, when we say placenta encapsulation, that's where it comes back in pill form in a bottle, but the smoothie. So how does that all go down and how is having the smoothie safe versus having the encapsulation done? Yeah, so the smoothie, you're either in or you're out. There's no in between with the smoothie. And that's what I have seen. (laughs) There's no like, let me think about that. No. No. So what's the preparation like for the smoothie? How is it different than say the raw method? So with the smoothie, the placenta is truly raw. Like it has not been processed whatsoever. It has not been dehydrated. It has not been pulverized. It is in its rawest, purest form. So what makes it safe is the piece of placenta needs to be frozen within the first 48 hours after it's been birthed. After 48 hours, smoothie is no longer recommended. Neither is the raw method of encapsulation recommended at that that point. If placenta is frozen prior to the 48 hours, then uh, raw method and raw smoothie is still available. But after the 48 hours, it's not. Um, so the way that I make the smoothies is I portion out a raw piece of placenta before I start the encapsulation process. That's frozen. Mama lets me know ahead of time the fruit of her choice and the liquid. I always recommend just doing a a fruit smoothie. Because I've had people want to put like avocado and like spinach and like, and I'm just like, no, like, you're like, it's not for sure. We need this thing to look good so that you're going to want to consume it. Because if you have a smoothie that's like greenish, yellowish, brownish, and you know that it has placenta in it? Like, no. No. And I also would like it to go means- on record and say that the placenta smoothie that you have delivered to me has been 
I always tell everyone the best smoothie of my life because it's always the first thing I eat. And then next comes the giant plate of sushi that my husband gets with beer that we have in the postpartum room. Anyway, um, we have a whole process, but that smoothie, you do not taste anything whatsoever. You suck it down. And I add, I add the protein powder, chocolate protein powder, usually, or sometimes the vanilla and then banana and like blueberries, like simple. There's no kale. Like I'm not trying to like be a star. Like it's enough with that and maybe some cinnamon or something. Exactly. It's like the placenta has hormones and nutrients to help boost everything up. The fruit masks over any taste that there may be. Um, all of the fruit is frozen. So it's going to be cold. It's going to be delicious because you're going to want something cold and delicious after you've just worked so hard to get that baby out and oh, it's yeah. just replenishing, replenishing. You cannot taste it at all. Like you cannot taste. If someone did not tell me there's placenta in this, I would never know. Like, I think even Brian tried it once actually. And I got to tell you, I've been the most chipper postpartum woman you have ever met in your life three times over. Yes, still exhausted like every other mom, but I have been chipper. And I really do attest it to having both the raw, fresh smoothie and then the pills. Okay, now I know we're kind of working backwards, funny, funny enough in this conversation, but I feel like it's the way people ask. The other thing that I think people would be very surprised to know about your process is how stringent and rigorous you are in terms of accepting clients. Like you have very high clear expectations of your clients in terms of like their overall health status, their onboarding interview, you have paperwork and educational material that goes out, you touch base with them in a timely manner. I mean, there is so much that goes on kind of leading up to all of this. So can you talk a little bit more about how you um, go from initially speaking to somebody to delivering the placenta as far as just the health checks and all the education that comes before it all goes down? Yeah, so if at all possible, if someone contacts me with enough time in advance, not everyone does, but, but if they do, that's like the best case scenario because we can really take the time to get into everything. But one thing that, that I require from everyone that I encapsulate for is I need to see blood work and I'm looking for specific things. I'm not necessarily uh, interested in STDs as I'm interested in bloodborne pathogens. So diseases that can be transferred through the blood, right? So trying to re reduce all the risk of cross-contamination. And even though I do sanitize um, the way that I do, the blood work is just another layer of security of safety. If someone denies me blood work, which they have in the past, then I can't work with that person. They need to find themselves another encapsulator that does not require blood work. So the three specific things that I'm looking for are HIV, hepatitis B, and syphilis results. I like to set up a consultation prior. I don't need to see the blood work prior to the consultation, but I do need to see it prior to labor. And if someone has booked me or if someone is contacting me at the last minute and maybe in labor, I will harass you for blood work because I do not pick up placenta without seeing blood work. Now, with all of that said, 
it's not to say that I have not encapsulated for someone with bloodborne pathogens. I just do not do it in my workspace and I do not use my equipment. I will work in the person's home and they have to provide me with the equipment. So there is an additional charge for folks who do have bloodborne pathogens and that is they have to supply me with the equipment. Wow. I don't use what is my... all the different equipment since you just mentioned it? Yeah. So there's the dehydrator. There's the encapsulation machine. There's the knife and the bowls and the, the food processor that is used. It's used several times throughout the encapsulation process. If I'm encapsulating in the raw method, it's used to puree the placenta so that I can get a nice thin layer of placenta on each rack. And then again, to pulverize the placenta. I'm gonna say there is some other equipment, like if someone's requesting a salve, there's like a crock pot, like a small crock pot that I make the salve. What's a salve? A salve is like an ointment that can be used for anything skin related. Cracked and sore nipples, if mama were to tear uh, during vaginal delivery, I hope she would never have an episiotomy. I hope that no doctor would ever do that. But if a doctor does, it can help just with the healing process. So anything skin related, it could be used for baby's diaper rash as well. Wow. Okay. So and then tell us about, this has been my favorite because now I'm nine months postpartum. Baby London is nine months and I'm still using the oil and I drop it in my coffee in the morning. Can you tell us about how do you get the oil? What is it? How do we use it? And I can just tell everyone it's amazing. Yes. So it's actually not an oil. It's a liquid. Um, and it's interesting to me because everyone thinks it's an oil and I wonder why. I wonder I why folks think it's an oil. I mean, but, um, maybe the dropper. I have no idea, but I, okay. It's a liquid. I'll take that. It's a liquid. I'm, I'm down with that liquid. Yes. It's a magical liquid. So oh, yeah, that's the reason that's the reason why I include it. I include it because it helps extend the life of the placenta. So you may only have enough capsules to get you through, let's say a month or two months postpartum. And you may want to have your placenta later on. So it has its immediate benefits postpartum, but then there are other benefits that you can get from your placenta later on. Breastfeeding. Lots of moms' milk supply dips down when they go back to work. Or milk can just dip down for whatever reason. I mean, there's so many reasons. You have an extra stressful day, your milk can dip down, right? Or an extra stressful week, something's happening personally, you know, that milk supply could be affected. So the tincture can help, you know, boost up the milk supply. So it has the same properties as the capsules do. It's just a liquid instead of a powder. And what makes it magical is that it doesn't have an expiration date. It doesn't go bad. It doesn't lose its potency. Whereas the capsules lose their potency around the two-year mark. So even for someone who does have a fairly large placenta and who has a nice supply of capsules, it's going to run out sooner or later. So that tincture really comes into play there. Energy, yeah. mood. Mm -hmm. And so that is made before the encapsulation process begins. And that is made with raw placenta and 100 proof drinking alcohol. So the alcohol is what ferments the placenta. It breaks it down, not physically, right? Because I actually got an email from someone 
who I encapsulated for earlier this year. And she sent me a picture of her tincture. And she's like, does this look okay? I'm like, yes, it looks great. Oh, <laughs> it's good. fine. Fine. So what I recommend is just, you know, gentle, gently shaking it, setting it down on the counter, letting everything settle, and then drawing out the liquid from the top part of the bottle so that you're not getting any little pieces of placenta. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yes. Yes. And so your coffee, like you, like you're, like you're doing, you put it into your coffee. If someone has an issue with consuming alcohol, I would recommend putting it into like some hot water or hot tea or your coffee that will evaporate the alcohol, just leaving the essence of the placenta. You could also put it into a smoothie. I've had moms just straight put it, you know, put five to eight drops directly under the tongue. But it doesn't make you drunk. Like it's not alcohol. Like you're not getting drunk. Like you don't, I didn't even know there was alcohol in it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's five to eight drops. So it's very, very minimal. But if there is anyone who is concerned about Mm -hmm. consuming alcohol, putting it into hot water, hot tea will evaporate that. Okay. And then, so back with Carter, we had a really funny, like, let's talk a little bit about logistics. Cause this was funny. And I know things have changed because of COVID and it's probably for the better for you. But when Carter was born, I had to sneak. Cause so I gave birth at Cedars and I don't know how all the other hospitals work, but you know, they limit the number of visitors, I guess, especially now, but back then it wasn't even because of COVID. It was just the normal visitation rules, I guess, whatever. So Valerie had to come in And basically I had to like sneak her in and she made the smoothie right then and there because I wanted it fresh. And I remember a nurse came in and was like giving a side eye. And I was like, don't even try it. Like this woman is going to be here. She's my visitor. And it, you know, it it made me feel really bad, but it was actually really funny. I I felt bad that I, it almost felt like you were being disrespected because I see you as being like a professional as part of my birth plan, honestly. And, um, look, I've never even had a doula. Like, like I said, this is, I am not a granola kind of person, but it's just funny that when I look back, like she literally had to like sneak in and it was like, we were doing this, like, you know, terrible thing, but anyway, it was so funny. And nowadays things have changed. So what does it look like once someone has given birth? What does that look like in terms of making sure you actually are contacted and how do we get you the placenta? Well, let's just talk about that little funny incident one time, like really quick, because that was just, I like, will never forget it. I talk about it, you know, like it, it was just so funny. So, you know, back before COVID, I used to go into the hospital rooms and pick up placenta from the hospital room mm-hmm. and, you know, from labor and delivery. And so I go in there and, you know, you requested your smoothie. So I, I go in there like ready and cautious. And like all of my senses are just like alert. And so I get there, the nurse is not in there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to put the placenta in the cooler. I'm going to go to the bathroom and then I'll be back with your smoothie. So I'm in the bathroom, I'm ready to make the smoothie. And I hear the nurse come in and I'm just like, okay, (laughs) you know, this is a break time for me, you know, like. Now it's time for me to answer emails. They don't allow that. Like text message answers. They don't because I had one time at Cedars as well. It was like four o'clock in the morning. Someone had ordered a smoothie. 
I, it was four o'clock in the morning. Like I was not as alert as I was when I went to go pick up your placenta. So I went into the, to the bathroom to make this woman her smoothie. And I wasn't aware of listening for people coming in or out, or maybe she came in when the blender was on and I couldn't hear her. And I come out and she's there and she's like, you can't give her that smoothie. And I'm like, why not? Like it has fruits and she ordered it and there's the kitchen isn't open. So what is she supposed to eat? And she's like, starts yelling at me, like telling me that I can't serve up people's body parts to them. And I was just, <laughs> and I was like, go ahead, try it. Just take a sip and you, you'll see that it's nothing but fruit. And the lady, of course, was not going to try it. The nurse wasn't going to try it. So she let it go. And I just like jammed out of there like really fast. So, you know, every time I had to make a smoothie at Cedars in particular, you know, things could get a little, you know, stressful for me. Because I just don't want, I don't want... I can handle like people like yelling at me and being rude to me, but I don't want them to be rude to the mom who just had a baby, you know? Wait, and so, so what happened when you like, were at my, what, so that was before, but when you were doing mine, what happened? You were just relaxing and quiet, but you I weren't confronted, right? I was not confronted. <laughs> I waited for her to leave, but it, you know, a good, maybe like, I, I think I was probably in there for a good 10 to 15 minutes, just like hanging out in the bathroom, you know, just like waiting for this woman to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so wild because by the way, as the uptight, you know, person that I am, I had asked my doctor, my OB multiple times if it was okay. And like, they don't have a problem with it. So I really don't understand that. Frankly, I'm sure maybe there's some, I don't know, insurance, but anyway, so nowadays things have changed and I think it's really to your benefit. How did you even get me my smoothie? Can you explain? Cause I don't remember any of this. Yeah, so nowadays when someone orders a smoothie, I bring the smoothie back with the encapsulation. So unfortunately, it's not um, it's not like right after birth, like how I used to do them. Things may be shifting now into 2023. I have some things shifting in, you know, how I'm going to be doing things. So there's a possibility that bedside smoothies could be coming back into the mix. So. But for your last baby, your placenta smoothie came with you with your encapsulation. So I portion out a raw piece of placenta, freeze it. And then once the, you know, I get in touch with the family, let them know that I'm ready to deliver everything to them. As soon as I get confirmation that they're ready for me, I blend up the smoothie, put it on ice in a cooler, and then I rush out to deliver everything. That's so right. I, I do remember there. it was the next day. Now, actually, this is a, sorry, I meant to ask you this before. I just thought of it. The lick, the tincture, the liquid that's alcohol and placenta only like raw together. Like there's nothing else done. Right. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. And then the encapsulation, the number of pills and the length of time that, that people get out of it, it depends on what the size of the placenta it really depends on the size of the placenta, right? The small, well, and also the method of encapsulation. So raw method of encapsulation tends to yield more, about 15 to 20% more capsules than the steamed method. 
So with the steaming of the placenta, the placenta does shrink considerably to about half its size. Okay. And what would be like the average number of pills that people usually get? 140 to 150 capsules. Okay. And to get you through four weeks postpartum, you need 126 capsules if you follow the suggested dosage. If Which there's any alteration of that dosage, could, you know, either you could have capsules for longer amount of time or shorter amount of time. The starting off dose, the suggested dosage is two capsules three times a day. And once mom starts taking her capsules, I do some check-ins with her to see how that dosage is working for her, see if we have to do any adjustments. I also do provide comprehensive instructions with the encapsulation. In the very first page, it's like recommended dosage, and then the two small paragraphs that follow are reasons to reduce and reasons to increase. But I always like to check in because sometimes, even though uh, the birthing family may have read the instructions, maybe they forgot. And so the sooner I know if there are any issues, the sooner I can jump in and help, you know, change up the dosage so that mom can start feeling really good. Because that's the whole purpose, right? We want you to feel good. And, and if you are feeling good, continue feeling good. Right. Yeah. And I think I remember that when I finally got to the point where I was trying to go to sleep like early and then Brian would take a dream feed with the baby, I would not take the pills like the last dose I wouldn't take because it would keep me up then I felt like I, or I didn't know if it would, but I didn't want to risk it. And frankly, mm -hmm. I uh, wanted to kind of drag it out because it's like, it's so great having them. Yeah, so the suggested dosage is three times a day, but some moms like you may only do twice a day. And, you know, sometimes I get asked, is that okay? Do I have to take it three times a day? No, it's about what you, what feels good for you and what feels good for you may not feel good for me or for someone else. You know, like I have some moms that like to start off their day with a lot more energy. So they'll do like three capsules in the morning, two in the afternoon and one at night. So they taper their energy down throughout the day. So, you know, there's different combinations and, and not every day has to be the same. So you can really tailor it to help you feel the best in that particular moment or in that particular day. Yeah. And I, I definitely have played with that. And I love that we have that flexibility because it just, you can make it work for you so, so well. Okay. And then what about data? Like, I feel like this industry is kind of murky still. And is there any data or place we could find like the proof that your placenta, because your placenta for folks that don't know, because I did not understand this and please correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, your placenta basically starts growing and it doesn't really take over until about 12 weeks. And that's why you go from being so exhausted because you yourself as you know, a pregnant woman are trying to grow and sustain a baby all on your own. And then once your placenta is actually, you know, developed enough around 12 weeks, it actually takes over and kind of helps bear that burden. And so you actually start to feel better. Is that, is that right? I mean, the placenta is growing throughout those 12 weeks, but yeah, I mean, there is a switch that occurs, but those horm that placenta is being, you know, built, so to speak, and that hormone production is happening. That's why the first, you know, that first trimester can be such a hormonal 
roller coaster because your body is producing a lot more hormones than what it was, you know, also, you know, building a, 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 another human, but yes. So that is accurate. Oh, my other question was around the data to support, you know, oh, yeah. the value of, of what's going on with eating your placenta. Is there anything that we can look at and understand? You know, there is research team out of the University of Las Vegas, Nevada, that have been doing research with placenta encapsulation versus the placebo effect. The only little gripe that I have about this research that's happening is that all the placentas that are being used are only being processed in the steamed method of encapsulation. So they are not using raw method of encapsulation because they think that it is unsafe. I think it's just a liability thing. But to be quite honest with you, I mean, I have been doing this for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in February and I've encapsulated nearly 2,500 placentas and more than half have been in raw method of encapsulation. I've never had anybody get sick. I've never had anybody, you know, report anything unusual. So that's my only, you know, gripe about the, about the research that's coming out of it. Cause I think it's inconclusive. Okay. Yeah. That really is a shame. And then the only thing I wanted to add, just because you mentioned like the illness thing, and I think it was an interesting case study for me, I ended up getting COVID I had been vaccinated and I have no problem sharing this. I know it's so like polarizing, ah, political, but I think this is educational, right? So for me, we had done IVF with the third baby, which I talk about very openly on the podcast and in person and things of that nature. Um, so what happened was I had done IVF and then when COVID started, they would not do the embryo transfer, meaning, you know, that's for folks that don't know, that's like when they implant, they basically put the the baby right in the embryo India, right? They would not do that until I was double vaccinated, which was fine for me. I was open to that at the time, got double vaccinated, got pregnant, then did the booster during pregnancy, which I wasn't thrilled to be doing that, but it was like the recommended thing, whatever. I'm going to go with the guidelines. I trust my doctor, whatever. Okay. So I get boosted and then four months later, my kids ended up having a huge outbreak at their school. And we hadn't traveled over the, it was actually right around this time last year where, you know, you hit winter break time. So people had started traveling. Well, they ended up having a big outbreak at school. And even though we hadn't traveled anywhere, we ended up catching COVID and I was 34 weeks pregnant between 33 and 34 weeks pregnant. I actually do podcast live through that. So that was kind of interesting. I, it's like COVID diaries, one, two, and three. And you know, it was scary at the time, right? Because you don't know if your baby's going to be okay. And then you and I had to regroup and say, is this okay? And because I had, you know, it had been like, I think I carried the baby to like 39 and a half weeks. So it was, it was a good long period after about six weeks, but you and I had discussed like, is this safe now that I've had COVID and you had had a couple experiences where it was fine doctors had said it was fine as long as the placenta looked good and all that. And I'll share also that I was, because I was IVF and I'm like considered high risk due to advanced maternal age. I'm 38 now. They had been, I, I had been meeting with a growth specialist, keeping an extra super close eye on the baby and the placenta. And so with all of that monitoring, 
the placenta thankfully was absolutely fine. And I'm just letting folks know that was my experience that I was still able to encapsulate after having just gotten over COVID. So I think that might be a question that folks might have that I was happy to share. So anyway, so anything else that you want to share in terms of COVID? I'm sure that you get that question as well as. Yeah, um, I don't get that question like too often. And if the doctor is okay with releasing the placenta, then I'm okay with encapsulating the placenta. Some folks may feel like it's unsafe. And if they choose not to move forward with encapsulation, that's their, you know, their choice. I will say that the only thing that I have seen is if mom has active COVID infection during labor and delivery, the doctor will not release the placenta. So that's kind of like where I to feel like hmm, if it's like an active infection that's currently happening, maybe not because we don't know, right? If you've had it, but no longer have it, it's already out of your system is my thought. Okay. That's very helpful. Good to know. And then can you just, the last thing, can you just tell everyone how you do the artwork with the cord. Cause I just found my heart. I have it from Carter. <laughs> it's like in a special, I have it as a keepsake and you create the most gorgeous artwork. Can you share about that real quick? Yeah. So, um, when, when my husband and I learned about the scent encapsulation, we were given a recipe and I really wish this recipe would have talked about the keepsakes. Uh, Cause I really love making them. I think they're very special. Not everybody's into them, but I would say the majority of families do want those keepsakes. So the placenta print is basically an imprint or a portrait of your placenta. So before the encapsulation process is started, I lay a piece of watercolor paper down on the placenta and it makes an imprint with the blood. And many of times you just see the tree of life, you know? And I love making them, um, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I make the best ones, the nice, the nicest, quote unquote, the nicest visually. <laughs> and then I cut the umbilical cord off of the placenta and I make it into the shape of a heart and I dehydrate, dehydrate it like that. And uh, I also have an option to make dream catchers. Some people love the dream catchers too. I make the dream catchers with the umbilical cords. <laughs> amazing. And I just found Carter yes. in a box and I just love, I love it. But I got to tell you, Valerie, I'm very, very impressed with you as a business person and your professionalism. And I come from a very big corporate background. Like I've been trained as a management consultant on, you know, I've been trained like a Navy SEAL in business, like how to be professional. <laughs> and I mean, you are the most it, it it was shocking. I'm not going to lie. Like your business start to finish is incredible. Like it is one of the most well-executed, most impressive businesses I've ever encountered. And it's so unexpected. So I just want to say you rock and thank you. Of course, you know, for me personally, I definitely love you, but just um, thank you for all these people that you do this for. And thank you for taking such great pride in your work because it's incredibly, incredibly impressive. And I think it builds a lot more trust and confidence and I've just never seen anything like it. So thank you. And thanks so much for coming on. I'm obsessed with you, as you know. <laughs>
Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much. And yeah, I just love what I do. And, you know, I do this as if I were on the other side. And so I happen to be kind of like a little neurotic and I just love a good customer service. You know what I mean? Like there's just nothing better than, you know, leaving a business and feeling like that person really cares about me or, you know, they really took the time and like, really paid attention to like all of these details and it just it just feels so good all the way around and that's that's how I want everyone that I work with to feel at the end of the day you know like I can't guarantee that placenta encapsulation is going to work for everyone but I can guarantee that everyone that I work with is going to get the best customer service experience from me yes we do feel it and you do give that off Wow. You're amazing. All right. I'll let you go. Thank you so much for joining me. This is amazing. And um, I love you. I really do love you. I feel like I need to go have another baby again. Oh my gosh. You're crazy. I love you. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram at Kimberly Lovey and let me know your thoughts about today's show. You can screenshot this episode and let us know what your biggest takeaway was and tag me at Kimberly Lovey and we can share it on our stories. I will see you again. Same time, same place next week. <laughs>